0: morning everyone thank you john uh, do we want to just stand up to stretch your legs but you don't have to talk to anyone okay so go ahead go and do that okay just a change of position thanks for leading us john and as john has said this is our uh, it's our final week in galatians we've reached chapter six it's the shortest chapter in the letter but as ever it's packed with content there's lots in it and so uh, we are going to actually read it at this stage in our service it's page 1172 in the bibles in the pews we'll just keep our seats this morning brothers and sisters if someone is caught in a sin you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If any of you think you are something when you are nothing, you deceive yourselves. Each of you should test your own actions then you can take pride in yourself without comparing yourself to somebody else for each of you should carry your own load nevertheless those who receive instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor do not be deceived god cannot be mocked people reap what they sow those who sow to please their sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction Those who sow to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress others by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that you may boast in your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is whether you've been transformed into a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, Spirit be with your spirit brothers and sisters amen and last week we we thought about what does it actually mean to live by the spirit and we we looked at how a spirit-led life is characterized by the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control and here in this first verse Paul gets specific He takes one of those segments, one of the nine, and he applies it to a real-life situation, a real church dilemma. What do you do whenever somebody messes up? What happens or what should happen whenever someone is caught in a sin? Now, it seems that, that Paul is talking about a Christian who finds themselves trapped By a particular sin. That's what that little phrase means. Caught in a sin. This is someone who is consistently tempted in a specific area. They keep giving in. They are reeling from that. And they need help. What should you do? It might be appealing. In fact it often is appealing to do nothing. To just leave them to it. To walk away. Or even... To pass judgment. But Paul actually says, See you who are spiritual, see you who live by the Spirit, restore them. Restore them. Set them back on the right path. And Paul goes on to tell us how we should restore them. Restore them gently. Now, the thing about restoration of anything that's broken and damaged, and that's the effect that sin has on a life, breaks someone. It damages them at so many levels. But the restoration of anything broken and damaged is a process. It takes time. It takes effort. And sometimes it's not easy. And it certainly isn't pain-free. It will hurt And yet, throughout that process, it's got to be done with gentleness, the seventh segment of the fruit of the Spirit. And dealing with people and someone caught in a sin is always a challenge for any church. But one of the key indicators of a Spirit-led community is its willingness and its ability to gently restore people who mess up. And I hope and pray Windsor can be that kind of a place. Will we always get it right? Unlikely. Will we consistently please everyone? Probably not. But if we care enough to get involved in someone else's life who's been caught in a sin rather than turn a blind eye, then there might be a ring of authenticity about us. And John Stott says this, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should much unkind gossip would be avoided more serious backsliding prevented the good of the church advanced and the name of christ glorified it's so true and yet it is so challenging and paul then adds a warning before he goes on to suggest another way christians who live by the spirit should treat each other look at the second half of verse one he writes but watch yourself or you also may be tempted and this is why gentleness is essential in how we deal with each other because all of us every single one of us are prone to sin we're all prone to be caught in a sin none of us are immune to it and therefore any one of us might appreciate some gentle restoration someday I love how Peterson puts it. Someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Too right? Second way we are to treat each other, according to the text, it, it's a bit broader. And in verse 2, Paul writes, carry each other's burdens. You know, we all have them. That, that's the implication here. And although we are often good at hiding them, Paul says, listen, share the load. And our default position is to try and carry our burdens by ourselves, isn't it? Let's be honest. How many of us have said to someone, listen, I don't want to burden you with my problems. We do it all the time. And when someone asks us, how are you doing, nine times out of ten, what's our response? Fine, thanks even though there are things weighing us down situations people struggles that lie heavy in our hearts and you know for some of us we just about make it through those doors on a Sunday morning without collapsing on a heap in the floor but we hold it all together stiff upper lip and all that and I know you can't spill your guts to everyone who asks you that question you need to be wise you need to be measured you need to be appropriate and it would be far too difficult and far too painful to share everything with everyone but there is a need for us to be more open and more honest with each other other ways we'll never live by this we'll never carry each other's burdens human friendship in which we do this is part of the purposes of god for his people God wants us to support each other through the tough times. We're not designed to handle life alone. We need others to prop us up at times. We need others to walk with us, to share the load. Let me say a couple more things. There might be someone thinking, but hang on a minute. Are we not meant to cast that type of stuff on God? Psalm 55:22, for example, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Or 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Have we not got a divine burden bearer who's more than adequate at handling our problems? Well, of course we do. And of course we should. We should bring the things that press down heavy on us to our heavenly father. But he instructs us, for example, here to carry one another's burdens. Because one of the ways in which God bears our burdens is through human friendships. It's a great example of this in 2 Corinthians. Paul's under pressure just for a change. He's feeling the heat. He's harassed at every turn, it says. He's dealing with external tension and internal fear. Have you ever been there? Where conflict is kicking off all around you and inside you're scared. Listen to what Paul writes. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. It doesn't stop there. He comforted us by the arrival of Titus. See, God sustains and comforts and helps us via the presence and uh, friendship of other human beings in our lives. The second thing I want to say is this. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It's you not know, to share your struggles with someone else I want to particularly in a sense talk to the the guys here because we are great at giving the impression that we've got it all together that we're in control and the truth is that's more stoical than it is Christian that's more about enduring hardships and hiding your feelings rather than about being real and admitting that you don't have it all sorted living like this is probably well outside many of our comfort zones but the evidence of a life led by the spirit a life lived in the spirit is a willingness to actually share your burdens with others we need to be wise but we also need to take risks we need to be vulnerable we need to be honest we need to be humble enough to let other people share our burdens. The way Paul finishes verse 2 again is interesting because he actually makes the point, have a look, he says, see if you do this, you fulfill the law of Christ. Which might seem a little strange given the fact that Paul's gone to such great lengths to downplay the law in this letter. But look what he says, you fulfill the law of Christ. Which is captured in that telling command, love each other as I have loved you. And one of the key tangible ways that you do that is by carrying each other's burdens. It's not rocket science, but it is dynamic. And so those, so whose burden are you sharing at the moment? Whose burden here are you carrying? And who is it that's helping you to carry your burdens? One of the very uh, real dangers and, and sad realities in church life is whenever somebody thinks, they're above helping another human being warning signals need to go off all over the place whenever we hear phrases like that's their problem or they've made their bed it's time for them to lie in it or i've more important things to deal with i love and yet i find myself slightly unsettled by how direct paul is at times and he doesn't pull any punches and look at verse three but look at it on the screen from the new living translation see if you think you're too important to help someone you're only fooling yourself you're not that important and Paul has this superb ability to just bring you down to earth to keep your feet in the ground help you stay focused and the minute we start thinking we are someone Paul constantly seems to just pull the rug from beneath our feet he does it time and time again in his letters just give you another couple of examples Philippians 2 he says this in humility what have we to do consider others better than yourself it's really hard it's really really hard and humility to consider others better than yourself or when he writes to a bunch of roman believers he says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment none of us are too important to help someone none of us are too important to be helped thing is we've got to take the initiative don't wait for someone to come and share their burden with you. Go and share your burden with someone else. Stop trying to carry it by yourself. Make the first move, because as Paul writes in verse 5, a okay, New Living Translation, we are each responsible for our own conduct. In other words, the ball is in your court. It's my choice whether I help others. It's my choice whether I share my burdens with others. But when I do... I actually flesh out what it means to live by the Spirit. And in doing that, I fulfill the law of Christ. Paul then moves on, and he pens a phrase that has become so well known. It's recognized by virtually everyone, irrespective of their belief system. As people of the book, we know it. But even those who have never engaged with God's word are familiar with it. A man reaps what he sows. Annie Lennox released a single 1993 entitled Little Bird, which includes these lines. But my, my, I feel so low. My, my, where do I go? My, my, what do I know? My, my, we reap what we sow. And this is generally seen as a, as a basic principle of life. The vast majority of people readily accept, often from bitter experience, that this is the way life tends to work, isn't it? If I exercise and eat well, then I will be fit and healthy. But is this always the case? Do we always reap what we sow? Do we always get what we deserve? Is it as clear-cut as it first sounds. I must admit, I've really wrestled with that phrase this week. Got myself in all sorts of knots with it. Because I've realized that you can't just lift that phrase out of context and apply it across the board as you like. You've got to be very careful how you use it, where you use it, when you use it. It's not straightforward. Let me give you an example. Sticking with the farming imagery that Paul uses. What about the farmer who sows diligently, who sows carefully, and then he sits back and he watches as the rains come too early, too late, or they don't come at all. Sometimes circumstances beyond our control dictate we don't always reap what we sow. What about the guy who looks after himself and then dies unexpectedly in the prime of his life? Principle doesn't appear to ring true for his family. Rape what you sow. You see, to rip this phrase, and we could go on, to rip this phrase out of Galatians 6 and apply it to all of life is dangerous. And therefore, sticking with the context here is really important for me. It's vital I do that. You see, Paul is addressing Christians. Verse 1, brothers, in today's New Living Trans, or New International Version, brothers and sisters. He's addressing Christians. And he's writing to Christians, remember, regarding what does it actually mean to live by the Spirit. So as much as that phrase, a man reaps what he sows, has a broader meaning and it does, and it has a broader relevance and it does, Paul is specifically speaking here to believers about discipleship issues. This relates to our daily walk as Christians. And so after coining the phrase, Paul writes, the one, the brother or sister, who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature they reap destruction. Whereas... The brother who sister who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit reaps eternal life. And so what Paul is saying here, and again this is a principle we're all so familiar with, the choices we make as Christians have a profound impact on our day-to-day lives as Christians. They have a profound impact on our holiness. See, we can choose to sow to the sinful nature. I can hold a grudge. I can gossip. I can entertain pure thoughts. I can express a bigoted attitude. I can refuse to forgive. I can cheat. I can lie, etc., etc. You get the idea. But what's the outcome, says Paul? What is the harvest? What am I going to reap? Destruction. Because you see, every time I sow to please the sinful nature, I destroy relationships. I destroy peace. I destroy reputations. I destroy my witness. Alternatively, you can choose to sow to please the Spirit. You can reach out a hand of forgiveness. You can carry one another's burdens. You can gently restore someone. You can help. You can serve. You can speak truth. You can let that person out. You can express kindness. You can show patience. And what's the outcome? What's the harvest? What will you reap? You'll reap eternal life. You will reap a quality of life that you were designed to enjoy. Now and forever. Last week in, in Galatians 5, Paul talked about our Christian lives in terms of a war zone. He described it as a theater of conflict where the sinful nature and the spirit clash. And last week we thought about how we are to constantly, consistently crucify the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. And then we are to keep in step with the spirit. This week, Galatians 6 challenge is similar. The language is just a little different. In this chapter, Paul seems to picture the sinful nature and the spirit as two fields in which you can sow. And his advice here is this, you should avoid sowing to the sinful nature. Stop sowing in that field and instead intentionally sow to please the spirit. Sow in that field because you as a Christian, you will reap what you sow. find this incredibly challenging teaching in a sense in how i live my life when i walk out through these doors and as he continues paul then talks about we're nearly three paul then talks about the importance of doing good because doing good is in a nutshell what it means to so to please the spirit and what paul writes is incredibly helpful he says there let's not get tired of doing what's good at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. You see, I think Paul realizes that as Christians, we sometimes get tired of doing good. Don't we? Just get tired of doing good. And we do want to give up at times. Do you want to pack it in? The thoughts cross our mind. The sinful nature doesn't lie down and die easily. The temptation to just indulge ourselves and do our own thing and be selfish is still strong. And so it's great to know here that at just the right time we're going to reap a harvest. And sometimes you do wonder, don't you? You seem to sow good seed. You do what you think is right. You keep doing it. You help others as best you can. You make good choices and yet you don't seem to get very much back in return. And worse still, people who choose to walk a different path, who make poor choices, who live for self, they seem to receive quite a lot. And it sticks in our throats at times. Paul writes, listen, in due season, you will reap a harvest of blessing. God's timing's perfect. God can't be mocked. That's what he says in verse 7. So people will get what's coming to them when the time is right. And therefore, in verse 10, he says this. See, whenever you have the opportunity, we have these every single day. Whenever you have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those belong to the family of believers charity does begin at home it starts in here it starts amongst us but it doesn't stop here it has got to go beyond these walls into our classrooms our workplaces and beyond but when we do that when we actually do good to all we live by the spirit we sow to please the spirit and we will reap an incredible harvest Paul's near the end of his letter we're near the end of this series. And it's time for some concluding remarks from Paul. And so in his own handwriting and using really big letters, according to verse 11, which probably means that he just wanted to emphasize the next bit. This is sort of bold, typeface. time. He finishes by talking about what really matters. He says, listen, here's what really counts. And he returns to some of the key themes that we've looked at. And Paul ends by boasting in the cross time and time again throughout this letter he's drawn attention to the crucified christ because the cross is central absolutely central to the gospel it is because of what god has done for us in christ that we can be free john has reminded us of that this morning we are rescued why because jesus laid down his life for our sins is the way paul started this letter The cross stands at the core of human transformation. And so in verse 15, which we've already thought about this morning, Paul writes, it doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. Which is a key point of contention throughout this letter. It doesn't matter if you've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. That's what really matters. Have you? And as we leave here this morning and as we leave this series, what do we do? Two suggestions. We just boast in the cross. We just boast in the cross. I'm not going to boast in any of gifts, power. I want to boast in the life I live. I want to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ whereby faith alone and christ alone we find this new life but what does this new life actually look like and what's the second thing we just got to go from here and do just go from here and do good to all Just go and do good to all but start in here so if there's someone this morning that you need to just go and reach out a hand to and embrace and talk to and share a burden with do that but let's just go and do good to all because that is what characterizes new life in the spirit. May God help us to breathe in some fresh air of the gospel and enjoy the freedom it brings. We're going to finish by singing how deep the Father's love for us. Really because the third verse says, I'm not going to boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I'm going to boast in Jesus Christ, his death, his cross, and resurrection. Let's stand as we sing.